Tuesday morning to you, Oregon. I'm Finn J.D. John, FJ at OffbeatOregon.com, and this is the Daily Offbeat Oregon Podcast. Since it is Tuesday, this is an archive show, first published as a newspaper column and podcast episode several years ago. Thanks for downloading, and I sure hope you enjoy it. This story was first published on December 18th of 2011, under the headline, Voice of Looney Tunes Was the Terror of His Portland High School. Here we go. The hallway at Lincoln High School in Portland was empty except for a 14-year-old student named Melvin Blank, who was walking along listening to the echo his footsteps made. Melvin was probably there to serve a term of detention. He was a classic classroom clown, the kind of kid that makes teachers remove their hair by the fistful. Melvin was by no means a bad kid, but he had a round cherubic face that seemed permanently set in a slightly mischievous smile, a zany sense of humor, and a seeming inability to sit still and keep his mouth shut during classroom time. He also had a freakish ability to imitate voices, including, of course, those of his teachers. You can imagine the effect of a talent like that on the popularity of a student among, respectively, teachers and fellow students. Well, on this particular day, Melvin had worked out a wonderfully wild, slightly sinister, cackling laugh that he no doubt hoped to use one day in a classroom when a teacher wasn't looking. The hallway's acoustics were so perfect, he just had to try it out. Melvin ran down the hall, shrieking out his laugh and enjoying the echoes as the empty high school hall reverberated with the racket. At the end of the hall, he discovered that he wasn't quite alone in the school. There, with him, looking utterly unimpressed with his voice talents, stood the principal of Lincoln High, a fellow who knew Melvin well after numerous referrals to his office for classroom disruptions. My nervous explanation about utilizing the hallway's natural echo did not evoke a shred of compassion, the principal's frown deepening by the second, Melvin recounted later in his memoirs. The second I finished, he exploded, I should kick you out of this school. But he never did. Twenty years later, that principal, and the rest of the country, was undoubtedly very familiar with that laugh. It belonged to a cartoon character named Woody Woodpecker. Melvin Blank, the boisterous and clownish Lincoln High School student, is better known today as Mel Blanc, the voice of Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Yosemite Sam, Peppy Le Pew, Barney Rubble, and about five dozen other cartoon characters from the golden age of cartoons around World War II. Mel's story is fantastic and complicated and generally far too good for a short newspaper column to do justice to. If you have even the slightest interest, you've got to check out his 1988 memoir. But here are a few of the high points of his Oregon story. Mel was born in San Francisco in 1908, but moved with his parents to Portland soon after and grew up in the Rose City. And in fact, if Portland's radio station owners had not been quite so stingy, he might well have remained in Oregon, pouring his talents out on the local market here, which, you have to admit, would have been a rotten shame. The funny lad first got on the radio when he was 19. Someone from local radio station KGW got a hold of him and asked if he might like to perform on an evening radio program called The Hoodells. The pay was negligible. But for young Mel, the experience was solid gold. From singing funny songs, he moved into a comedy routine and developed formidable ad-libbing skills. 
Meanwhile, to keep enough money coming in to eat, he started playing tuba for a couple of nine-man big band ensembles. Bill continued this way for several years, supporting his hoot owl habit as an increasingly successful tuba player and orchestra conductor. But in 1932, he decided he just had to go to Hollywood and try to make it big as a voice artist. So he loaded up his old Ford Model A and headed south. Of course, 1932 was probably the worst year you could possibly choose to try something like that. In Hollywood, Mill worked sporadically on one-shot appearances on radio comedies and spent most of his time working a circuit of employment offices at studios and radio stations. His ability to take a no from a rude front office flunky and bounce back smiling and confident five minutes later walking through the door of his next prospect became legendary, but not legendary enough to land him steady work. After all, there was a depression on. All told, Mill's trip to Hollywood was a bust, except for one thing— he met a woman there, a fellow radio person named Estelle Rosenbaum. Well, finally, one day, Mel got a big break in Hollywood. Sort of. It came in the mail, postmarked from Portland, of all places. Radio station KEX was offering him his own radio show if he would come on home. And would he? You bet he would. Estelle, a native Californian to whom Mel was by now married, was a bit apprehensive. Is it really as rainy as people say? She asked him. Nah, it's not too bad, Mel replied. He should have known better than to tempt the weather gods like that, because of course when they arrived it was pouring. Their show was called Cobwebs and Nuts. Although only Mel was paid for it, Mel and Estelle both worked in the studios of 1190KEX for 16 hours a day, furiously writing and prepping and broadcasting this show, which soon got very popular. Mel and Estelle became local celebrities, and the show was moved to the more prestigious 620 KGW station. But the couple, though famous, was still getting by on just $60 a month. Mel recounts a time when the two of them drove to Vancouver for a five-cent bag of caramel corn and discovered on arrival that they were one cent short. Of course, it was the Great Depression, so the impoverished couple had plenty of company. But still, it was a lot of work, and they were getting nowhere, and cobwebs and nuts had stopped being fun to do. Finally, one day, Estelle looked at Mel and said, Do you want to have a nervous breakdown, or do you want to go back to Los Angeles? Mel, if we're going to be broke, let's at least be broke somewhere where it's warm. This was all Mel needed to hear. This time, when Mel left Portland, he did not come back. But his voice sure did. Sources for this story have included works by Mel Blanc, John Rayburn, and the Oregon Cartoon Institute's Mel Blanc Project. Well, that's our show for today. Thanks again for listening. This podcast is part of Offbeat Oregon History, a public history resource for the state we love. More info is at our hub page at offbeatoregon.com. Offbeat Oregon is a division of Pulp Lit Productions, a boutique publishing house about which more can be learned at pulp-lit.com. Speaking of which, if you enjoy listening to me, you might check out some of my audiobooks. You can find them most easily with a search for my name on audible.com. Most of them are old pulp stuff, H.P. Lovecraft, Edgar Rice Burroughs, etc., but at least two of them are offbeat Oregon history type stuff. Check them out if you're so inclined. This podcast is covered under a Creative Commons license. For details, see offbeatoregon.com cc. Our theme music is by the Atlas String Band and was written by Carmen Ficara. Listen and download more at atlasstringband.com. Questions, critiques, ideas for a future episode? Email me at fj at offbeatoregon.com. 
Episodes of Offbeat Organ History are uploaded around 6 a.m. every weekday, so the next one will be on your device and ready to go before you know it. Until then, go out and fill up the rest of the day with good stuff. Bye now. Bye now.